you know one in five Americans live with a mental health problem? <laughs> that means unless you live in a cave, you know someone personally dealing with these issues. So join us and our special guests as we answer your questions, share real stories, and work to pull the curtain back on how stigma impacts our everyday lives and our communities. We believe that making a real impact happens best with candid conversations, laughter, and tears. We are your hosts, Jennifer Teague and Josh Moore, and this is Impact Stigma. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, whatever it is for you. Good morning, evening, or afternoon, Josh. How are you? Oh, yeah. Hey, Jennifer. (laughs) How's it going? It's going. (laughs) Well, I heard you started a new diet. I did. So far, so good. And you've lost, what, an arm? Mm -hmm. 13 pounds. That's an arm. Okay. I've lost an arm. Remember we lost an arm. Okay. Yeah. I have uh, done pretty bad on my diet. Okay. Tell me about it. It's been pretty crappy. I get motivated. Then I get unmotivated. Then I get busy. Then I get hungry. And then yeah. when I get busy and hungry, I get grumpy. So then I eat. I hear you. And it's just not been good. So you have that awesome, vicious cycle of I'm bored or I'm em- I'm emotional or something's bothering me, so I'm going to eat instead. Or I can just look at the Oreo pack and be like, you look delicious. That's another way. And then <laughs> just I, a craving. I, I eat it yeah. all up. <laughs> I feel you on that. But my, the whole row, I'm just, it's gone. It's ridiculous. My really bad eating habit, though, came from college. And it was where we got shoved into the rooms after practice. Yeah. And then mess hall. They told you to eat as much as you can. And then you got to be back in like 15, 20 minutes. And you ate as much as you could. And then you went back on the field and practiced again. And then you got in the habit of doing that for five years. And I'm in that habit of I'm done eating in three or four minutes. And everybody else is sitting there. That is such a difficult difficult habit to break i can't break it i mean everything i can sit there and count and chew and count and chew then i get bored and then i give up and go on yeah it's just a terrible habit to have i think that as a mom i can relate because when your children are little mine are kind of big now and i still do it i still do it today but um you're running around and you're trying to make them dinner and um you know by the time you get them all to sit down and behave and and eat your food's cold then you just eat it anyway like Forget it. I'm just going to eat it. Or you eat it so fast while it's hot that you've just scarfed a whole plate of food. And then my kids don't finish everything. And I'm like, well, I feel really bad. So I'm going to go around and finish their yeah. food because you grew up at football shoving food down your face. And yeah. I grew up with uh, don't leave your plate unclean. We have to be a member of the clean plate club. So that, plus, was, that was mine. Plus, I eat a lot of fast food. It's just yeah. convenient. You know, you don't want to do the dishes and you don't want to spend an hour cooking. And no. You can go through McDonald's in five minutes and eat in three and be done in 20. Yeah, it's super easy and super horrible for you. You just throw it away and you're done. Yeah, I think mine kind of came when, um, you know, I had to come to grips with the fact that uh, (laughs) I'm probably suffering from an addiction to food. And um, as much as I didn't want to, you know, talk about that um, or admit that to myself, that was definitely something that was the reason for my weight gain so you know losing 13 pounds when you're get on the scale and it says 200 after being so small for most of my life was a really big wake-up call Mm -hmm. and um, so I'm really excited about my weight loss but more importantly this time I'm more focused on my mindset which is really important yeah that's the hardest part it really is getting your mind wrapped about being on a diet and being comfortable with it and Actually achieving those goals, that's what I struggle with is the mental part of it. I think it's just deciding that the food is like 80 per, 85 to, or 90% of it, but really the food 
is not as important as what's going on in my head. Mm-hmm. You know, so like if I get that, I don't want to say the relationship with food. It's not that. It's the relationship with how I handle when I'm dealing with something really stressful. And instead of going, let's shove food in my mouth because that helps me stop thinking about everything. Because now I can just nosh on this food and stare at TV. And next thing I know, I'm eating like three bags of chips and then I'm super full and Well, that's why they call comfort food too. Yeah, you know? absolutely. It's comforting for you. And it's hard to get over that, that it, kind of nostalgia. It is. So I don't know if you guys out there can uh, kind of pick up what we're throwing down. But I hope that you can kind of get an idea of what our topic of the day is. So for this episode of Impact Stigma, we're going to talk about um, the stigma that surrounds food addiction and body image, um, eating disorders, obesity, and it's a really big deal for myself and Josh and our guest today because it absolutely hits home and it's very personal to us, so... I guess without further ado, I would like to introduce our amazing guest, Miss Krista Johnson. Hey guys, thanks for having me. So glad you're here, Krista. I am excited about today. I know you have some really great topics prepared for us, and I just can't wait to get started. So why don't you start us out with that fun stuff where you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background professionally and kind of... Um, what your current role is here at Frontier Health. So I've been a nurse for about nine years, and I've loved every single minute of it. I started off in healthcare um, as a CNA, and I decided that I loved helping people in their time of need. So I went to nursing school and became a nurse, and then I got my first nursing job as a correctional nurse, working in a few different county jails. Wow. Well, that's pretty good. And I loved it. I loved working with people um, who were know at their lowest point in life Mm -hmm. Um, and that's where I really discovered my love for mental health and so then I left correctional nursing and came to Frontier Health where I started off as a staff nurse in our Irwin office Um, and then I moved to nurse case management and now I'm Frontier's director of employee wellness. That is such a cool story. Thank you for sharing. I'm super excited about that. I'd love to hear some stories off mic about your adventures and as a correctional nurse. It was a lot of fun. I do miss it sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right. So we all know each other, obviously, but Krista and I talked a while ago about um, this topic. And, you know, in her position at Frontier Health, we agreed that this is something we could all really and truly get excited about. So we talk on every episode about stigma and address the reasons why it is so important to understand what it is and how it truly creates harm. Um, this topic is, like I said, was is very personal for all of us today, for sure. So if you would, Krista, just share a little bit about your health journey and how you have personally experienced stigma along the way. So for the majority of my life, I was always very slender. I ate what I wanted to eat, never really struggled with gaining a bunch of weight, but I still never really felt good about myself. And this is, you know, when I was a teenager, and I think a lot of teenagers really struggle with self-image issues and no matter how skinny I was, I've always had a really round face, and I've always hated that about myself. (laughs) Um, In fact, I will never forget an interaction that I had with a girl in high school. She and I were running on the track together, and I was wearing a tank top and a baggier shirt over my tank top. Right. And I was running, and I got really hot, so I decided that I was going to take the baggier shirt off and just wear the tank top. And uh, this girl, she looked at me, and she said, oh my gosh, Christy, you're skinny. 
<laughs> like, I, I can't believe it. Right. She was shocked. <laughs> and I was like, uh, I mean, yeah. And she said, I didn't realize that you were skinny. Your face look, just looks so fat. Oh, my gosh. Wow. And obviously, that is something that has really stuck with me for quite a while. Um, yeah. Because yeah, I would say so. Yeah, so that really shaped how I felt about myself for quite a while. It made me wonder, you know, does everyone see me that way? And so I started really focusing on my weight and being really conscious about my weight, even though I was very, very slender. And it became a pretty serious issue with me for several years. And then I met my husband. And we fell in love, and we were happy, and we got married, and, you know, we started cooking a lot together and just relaxing, and I felt comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then I gained 40 pounds. It happens when you get married. I know I gained a lot when we got married. Yeah. Well, we're not going to talk about my marriages and weight gain. We're just not. But, yeah, definitely happened for me, too. <laughs> it's super easy to gain weight whenever you're happy and so then I gained all this weight and I was like oh well that's not okay because I'm not being very healthy right now like I'm eating like you guys said a whole thing of Oreos like legitimately macaroni and cheese yeah so I can I can remember sitting on my couch whenever we first got married and eating a whole thing of Oreos like the whole box (laughs) it's not it is there is something that they put in that food to make it addictive really I'm serious so whenever I first met him I was still a correctional nurse and so I was running codes all the time running up and down stairs because my the main jail that I worked at was a really old one that they had an elevator but it didn't work very reliably so I was always up and down stairs and I ate whatever I wanted but then we got married and he was in the military and so I moved out there to be with him and I didn't have a job so like I kind of just sat around for the first few weeks that I was there and stuffed my face and then those just like bred a whole bunch of bad eating habits. Mm -hmm. So then, you know, I decided, wow, I've gained a lot of weight. I need to be healthier. I'm going to start eating better. I'm going to start exercising again. And not necessarily because I was uncomfortable with the way that I looked. I was more worried about my health. Right. So I started eating really well. I started exercising a lot and doing good exercise. And I just wasn't losing any of the weight. It was sticking to me. And I couldn't figure out what was happening. So after about a year and a half of trying to lose weight, I finally went to my doctor and I said, listen, I don't know what the problem is, but I can't get rid of this. And we did a whole bunch of tests and come to find out I actually have a medical condition that makes it really difficult for me to lose weight. So now I eat really healthy and I exercise, but I'm still pretty much the same weight that I have been for the past few years. Wow. That's basically just maintained. Yeah. You know what I I was thinking while you were... Um, sharing your story is, you know, from that very, I kind of went backwards in time when you were talking about your experience in high school. And it doesn't really, in in my opinion, and that's just my opinion, but in my opinion, it doesn't really matter if you go and you sit in front of your doctor and your doctor says, oh, look, you have this particular rare thing where it's really hard for you to lose weight while you might be like, oh, wow, aha, I feel justified at least a little. I feel like I have an answer. And that may not be the best news, but at least you have an answer. Considering the topic that we're talking about, I'm just curious, you know, it doesn't change the hurt. It doesn't change those tapes you play in your head and about what you feel like other people see when they look at you. So, you know, 
do you have, have you noticed that's something that you have that like stigma tapes that you've played in your head? Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, you know, I think that everyone who struggles with uh, really anything, whether it's mental illness, whether it's their weight, um, whether it's, you know, some other medical condition, I think we all have those negative tapes that play in our head, whether we feel like we deserve it or, you know, this is never going to go away, so I'm just going to be depressed about it. Me specifically, I've got a tape that plays in my head quite a bit that says, um, you're not good enough because of your weight or, you know, the fear that when I walk into a room that people don't take me seriously mm-hmm. because of my weight, yeah. especially because of my job. Yeah, I get that a lot, too. I was going to say, yeah, let's all chime in on that one because I've personally been much smaller than I am now and noticed a significant difference if I walk into, um, say, at work, not necessarily using where I work now as a, you know, but other places and because I have not been small since I started here. So, um, you know, walking into an office to have a professional conversation and I'm my, where I feel comfortable, size six, eight, you know, whatever in my clothes. And, and I feel like I can stand taller. I feel like I don't even think about it. So I can walk up to someone and just have a conversation and it doesn't, um, it doesn't cause a problem. But I will say that it does make a difference when you walk into the room and you know you have weight because you're the one thinking about it all the time and you it sucks but you expect other people to be doing the same thing you think they're looking at me they're thinking oh my gosh well if she can't contain herself physically then she must not be able to handle much else Mm -hmm. so it just it causes a great deal of insecurity and and low self-esteem how about you josh oh yeah Uh, one of my side gigs i do you know i take pictures and i do that for the national park so i have to hike a lot and a lot of the stuff i get is people looking disgusted at me on the trail because here comes this huge dude 400 pound guy five or six miles in the backcountry, and they're looking at you like, are you going to make it, or you need help out of here? They give you those questions like, do you need help? No, I'm fine. Thank you. Or, you know, what are you doing back here? You shouldn't be back here. I get that all the time. You know, I find that really interesting because you took one of the hardest hikes that I have ever taken um, just a few weeks ago. Yeah. And, I mean, like, that's a hard hike. Yeah, absolutely. The, it's the sand cave. Yeah. Yeah, that, that hike is brutal. It's 4.2 miles straight up rocks and roots and we went up and down and you know and after a uh, morning and afternoon and you get those looks you get people these these people that uh judge you for not being healthy you should be healthy before you're out here or you should be you know you should this ideal image well I have two thoughts on that one anyone that sees you out there especially at Sand Cave mm-hmm. should know that you are absolutely capable because that is not an easy hike. Oh yeah, I know. And two, you know, one of my one of my friends is a nutritionist and she said something to me that really resonated with me and that was your health cannot be determined by the way you look on the outside. Right. So even though I am overweight, I am very healthy. I don't have any issues regarding my weight. I eat a very healthy, well, mostly healthy diet. Uh, I exercise fairly regularly. All my labs come back great all the time. So for all intents and purposes, I'm healthy. Right. You know, I have some issues. I have high blood pressure and stuff like that. But when I'm hiking, I'm not running a marathon. I'm not out there sprinting up a mountain. I'm taking my time going at my pace and I'll get there when I get there. It's kind of how I plan it. But, you know, that's just my experience. What about you? Have you had any of those aha moments or 
did you ever have those experiences that stopped you from making progress or create any other issue issues to help prevent you from asking for help or well like Jennifer said you know whenever I would walk into a room full of people especially whenever everyone in there was you know not overweight uh, I would feel very self-conscious I would forget what I was going to say my anxiety would shoot through the roof I would stutter I wouldn't I wouldn't be able to string a sentence together and the whole time there were two panics going on in my brain one is Every single person that's in this room is judging me because of my weight Mm -hmm. and the way that I look. And then two, I really seem uninformed and like I probably shouldn't have this job because I don't even know what I'm talking about. But in reality, I knew what I was talking about. I was just freaking out so much. I couldn't couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. I don't know about you, but that just brings back crazy memories from so many times where, you know, I... I walk into a room and my first reaction was, I don't look like anybody here. And I'm just afraid to even, I'm an extroverted person. I'm an extrovert. If you know me, you know, I'm not afraid to talk to anybody. I'll talk to the wall. um, And have a conversation with it. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's another story. So when I walk in, I'm thinking my fear is I'm just afraid to be myself. Sometimes I tend to be overly jokey about things mm-hmm. or I'll make the put myself down jokes. Yeah, I do that, that too. So that they, it's like I take the power away from other people by joking around about what I look like and who I am and all these sorts of things so that I don't have to think about are they thinking those things. I'm just going to give it to them and make them do it so then I know it's there. I can handle that, and then I can walk away. Mm -hmm. And that's not who I am, and that's really hard. It's hard to be able to walk in and say, you know what, I'm going to leave all of that negative self-talk, even if it's in comedy form, outside you know, the door, and I'm just not going to bring it in here. And I wonder what that would look like. But there's this huge feeling that when I walk in the door that, you know, I've even found myself doing it here. So I'm afraid people won't take me seriously, that they'll look at me and think, um, that's neat. Aren't you cute? Well, go back in your office and do your job. Mm-hmm. And I know I bring a great deal to the table. Josh is an amazing asset to our company. You are an amazing oh, asset well, to our you. company. You're welcome. I don't lie. I just tell the truth. And it's like, I hate that there's this feeling of stigma surrounding weight and that people can't say, you know, it's really not about weight. It's about health. Mm -hmm. And why can't we look at what part's the most important? Is it more important to look at somebody's weight or is it more important for us to think as long as that person's healthy, like, let it be. Right. And Mm -hmm. mind your own business, kind of, I guess. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and let it be. But Still, I, I digress. So, <laughs> I mean, I'll even take encouragement comments and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like if you've lost weight, yo, hey, you've lost weight. Oh, no, I've just bought bigger shirts. Yeah. yeah. That's, you know, I'm, I'll make yeah. a statement like that and go on just to end it and go. You mm-hmm. said something to me, Josh, a while ago that kind of stuck with me and it made me think of something. And we're going to get into this in a little while, but. You know, it's talking about why does anybody have to say that at all? Why yeah. does that even need to be part of the conversation? Like, you don't need to address that. There doesn't need to be any recognition either way. Well, you look different or whatever. Why don't you just say, hey, you look really great today? Yeah. You know, there doesn't need to be um, someone say, well, you look like you've lost weight. Like, losing weight means 
that's so great because what you were before isn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah, it's like whenever someone is talking about, uh, you know, uh, gosh, I hate how much I weigh. I'm fat. I'm overweight. And then someone's like, no, you're not. You're so beautiful. Yeah. I didn't say I wasn't pretty. Right. (laughs) I said that I'm overweight. (laughs) Thanks for dodging that. Thanks for running all the way around that and just completely changing the entire topic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's not fun ever. No, and it's just so validating whenever someone hears that, you know, it, it validates that fear of, oh, I really am. Mm-hmm. Thanks. Yeah. Then you just hear those stupid tapes play in your head again. Yes. They see me as fat. You know, mm-hmm. I guess it's great that I, at least I have a neat looking face so I can <laughs> compensate for it. Yeah. I'm just saying that. I don't know if I have a neat looking face or not, but maybe that's something people say. I don't know. So, anyway, I'm trying to make sure that we at least laugh. (laughs) (laughs) Because this can be a really hard topic, you guys. It is, it's a very typically untraumatic topic to talk about stigma for us. It's a passion of ours, but when it hits, you know, so close to home, you know, it's it's kind of hard to, like, let our guard down a little bit and express what's really going on. So, you know, I always think... One of the funniest things I think about, just kind of like, just to blow this all up and just to think about it, and it does pertain to how I feel about myself is, you know, I always have these funny little fantasies like, hmm, if I could do that, if I could be this, this is what I would be. So I have a fun question for you. So if you could be, if you could have any superpower, one superpower in the whole wide world, what would it be? Oh, that's really easy for me. Okay. Shoot. Instant learning. Instant learning? Instant so learning. So you'd like to be like the Matrix? Yes, they just like, like the Matrix. Yes, one of my favorite movies. Yes. They stick the thing in the back of the guy's head and like yes, then then he knows download how to, everything. Then he knows how to fly a helicopter. I know Kung Fu. Yes. <laughs> That's exactly right. That, that would be my superpower. I would love to be able to do that, learn all sorts of different languages. That's and, awesome. Yeah. All right, Josh, what about you? What would be your superpower? Hmm. Probably to teleport. Oh, that's a good one. I think, yeah, absolutely. I teleport in and out of situations or other places. Like if I wanted to be at the beach after work, you know, teleport. Or if I wanted to get out of a conversation, just, oh, gone. Bye. Yep. I think it'd be mine. I like that. I always wanted to be invisible. That's kind of a sad one. I know. That that, that actually is pretty sad. I know. I know. It's weird, but I always thought, well, if I was invisible, if I could be invisible. Then people would think the walls really talk to them. (laughs) (laughs) So true. You did not miss a beat. That's really good. Good job, Josh. Thank you. Um, No, I think, you know, I used to think about superpowers all the time. and, And I mean, I'm a huge, you know me, I love Marvel and all things, you know, superhero and Wonder Woman. I have her on my wall. And so I guess it's not, oh, I didn't want super speed or strength or anything else. I think it had to do with, I just, when I'm done being seen, I don't know. I just want to be able to not be seen. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I don't know why that was my superpower for such a long time. I don't know. I just think, I just wondered what your superpower was. And if you feel like those superpowers have anything to do with the stuff that we are talking about today. What about you, Josh? Teleporting? Teleporting. Yeah? Yeah. You feel like that might have anything to do with the things you go through with? Yeah, I like to avoid confrontation, so. (laughs) (laughs) Just bye. Or just people, people, you know, get on my nerves or, you know, I get irritated pretty easy, so it's just like, okay, I'll go on. Just, I'm gone. Gone. (laughs) 
Or, you know, I was thinking it's because, like, do you, I was like, well, you know what he could do if he teleported. He could be like, I'm going to take this picture, bloop, and then he yeah, gets there. Yeah, that'd be nice, too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. that'd be really good for you. Absolutely. Yeah. Save some time hiking. Yeah, no kidding. I'll just wham, bam, boom, you're there. So why Go did on. you want instant learning? I'm curious now. I don't know. I'm a really big nerd. There's nothing wrong with that. Nerds yeah. are amazing. I, I love to study things. I love to learn. Um, I'm super big into history. Right. So, and I'd love to be able to remember it all. I just don't have enough room. <laughs> You're like, I need to be able to download it and move it and yes. bring it back whenever I need to. Well, and I really want to travel and I want to be able to travel and communicate with the people in the country that I'm at. Right. right. So, like, if I could go to China and, you know, know Mandarin, that would be pretty awesome. That would be sweet. Hello, everyone. Like what you're hearing so far? Well, make sure you never miss a show by clicking the subscribe button right now. This podcast is made possible by listeners just like you, and we greatly appreciate your support. So let's get back to the show. Well, speaking of language. Yes. I know you're really big in first-person terminology. Yes. So why don't you tell us exactly what that is? So person-first terminology or person-first language um, is basically acknowledging that whatever illness someone has doesn't define them. Um, It's not, you know, that person is fat or that person is, wow, what a fatty. It's more of, you know, someone who is overweight. Yeah. And I think that using terms like fatty or gross or dirty whenever referring to someone who's overweight Mm -hmm. really perpetuates the stigma that people who are overweight don't have their life together. Like you said, Jennifer, I mean, you know, just because we're overweight doesn't mean that we're gross or unkempt or we haven't showered. Right. And it's not true. I mean, sometimes I go a few days without washing my hair, but that's good for my hair. But there you you go. Just saying, dry shampoo. There you go. Sorry, I couldn't help myself. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, I mean, it it correlates to a lot of different things. It can it can correlate into mental health. But I think for for the topic of weight, it really focuses on making sure that you are not defining someone Mm -hmm. by their weight. Mm. That's really important. You know what? I had this big meeting I went to and people were speaking. And one of the things they said that I felt, I felt like would be something appropriate to talk about today because I knew that first-person terminology was something that you were going to be talking about, and it kind of hit me. Because, first of all, before I say this, when you are struggling with food addiction and you're dealing with overeating issues and overweight issues and you're just your whole body image, you're not just a sad person that feels overweight, okay? I mean, you deal with anxiety. It creates anxiety. That stress and that worry that happens in your mind about what everybody's thinking, it, it really can turn into an anxiety issue or depression. And there's a lot of different things that tend to, unfortunately, kind of go together with that. So, you know, we have to, that's why I wanted to talk about this today, because the stigma can not only make you feel like you have nowhere to go or make you feel stuck and be afraid to ask for help, but that those tapes you play, that's self-stigma. And then whatever you see in the media and whatever's going on out there, what people do and what people talk about, that's public stigma. And those all pile on, you know? And once they get all piled on, I mean, you can get all down in the dumps about something. So 
the reason I said that is this is a completely, it's kind of separate, but it goes along, and I like using it because it doesn't pertain to anybody in this room, so I'm using it separately. But her thing was when someone has cancer, you don't say, well, I am cancer. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You say, I have cancer. So they are able to use first terminology and separate that person's illness from them and say they're not that illness, they have that illness. But that is not what happens with things like, you know, she's depressed or she's bipolar. Mm -hmm. You know, they don't, or, you know, she's obese. Like, you don't say she is dealing with obesity or she has bipolar, you know, she is bipolar, you know, she has bipolar disorder. Um, People just don't know how to do that. And that separation, when she was talking about it, and I'm pretty sure I could have explained that better. But you know, you understand what I'm saying. You're the expert. I am just remember this girl saying that. And I thought, oh, my gosh, Chris is going to love this. This is really important to me. I really hope we can get this message out there. So I think that was a really great explanation. You're absolutely right. It's just an important. I think it's important. And that's kind of what we're talking about. These are the little bitty pieces of sand, ladies and gentlemen, that we pick apart and we look at. And these are how this is how we make an impact. One little tiny aha moment at a time. You know, these First-person terminology is something that I think is really super important for us to try to practice, even if it's just one person. You know what I mean? Don't you think? Absolutely. You just, you have to start reframing the way that you say things in your mind. So when it comes to someone with an alcohol use disorder, you know, you could call them an alcoholic, but that's not what defines them. That's not who they are. That's something that they're struggling with. So reframe it as someone who you know, has an issue with alcohol or sub- someone with a substance use disorder. And so you start modeling that behavior, you start modeling that language. And then when people are around you, and I, I do this, you know, people will say, you know, something, they're an alcoholic or something like that. And then I'll further on in the conversation say, you know, someone with an alcohol use problem or alcohol use disorder. And, you know, you don't do it in a condescending way or in a, oh, you said it wrong kind of way. You just model that behavior, and then people start to pick up on it, and that's how you break down stigma. Exactly. That almost answers my second question, or my my next question. Um, what advice would you give to someone wanting to use first-person terminology? You're going to say it wrong sometimes. You're going to get it wrong. Exactly. And it's okay. You just keep going. You can either stop when you say it and you say, you know what, they're not an alcoholic or they're not fat. Uh, They're someone who is struggling with their weight right now. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. It's kind of like getting healthy. Absolutely. No, we don't have to say we're losing weight because the weight isn't the whole thing. No, our weight does not define us. And, you know, I think a really good point to make is that weight issues don't just relate to obesity, They also relate to people who are suffering from anorexia or bulimia. You know, I mean, starving yourself is a huge issue. Oh, my gosh. And a lot of people, weight has become such a huge thing for our our culture. You know, in the movies and TV and books, everyone is skinny and beautiful and full of life and fun. And then the person who is overweight, you know, they're not as much fun or they don't have as much fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Or they're the clown. They're the one everybody gets to make fun of. And that's they, they're not taken seriously, which I think is a tragedy. Well, you know? and I mean, there is a show about a woman who is skinny and then wakes up in a in the body of a woman who is overweight and it, about yeah. her struggles. And so, I mean, that really shows you that society tells us that to be beautiful, you have to be skinny. So now 
we have all of these people who are so focused on their weight, wanting to be skinny, that they don't eat and they struggle too. And I think that that's one of the unseen consequences of our society saying to be beautiful, you have to be skinny. That this ideal bar- yeah, Barbie exactly. figure. Yes. Exactly. Someone who I love very, very much um, really struggles with this. And that was kind of an aha moment for me because I realized when I was talking to her, all I could talk about was how much weight I wanted to lose and how I was so disappointed that I couldn't lose weight and how much I wish I looked like her and how I wish I was skinny like her. And then when I realized that she was dealing with these issues, it kind of hit me. I was like, oh my gosh. You know, not only am I telling her that I'm overweight and I'm upset about it and I think that I'm ugly as a result, but I'm furthering in her mind that not eating and staying skinny is really important and she should continue doing it. Yeah, we have to be careful what we say. And I mean, I love this conversation so much because it's really about talking about health. Yes. It really is about talking about health. Right. It's talking about wellness as a whole. And which is obviously we're with Frontier Health, so we're, you know, talking about mental health. But in my opinion, mental health is one of the most important aspects to your entire holistic total body health. Because if your mind's not right, it's going to be very difficult to get the rest of you right. Well, absolutely is. You know, when your body is stressed out, when you're anxious, you go into fight or flight mode. And so your body hangs on to every single Mm -hmm. calorie that it can And you can't lose weight when you're stressed out. Absolutely. And I love the idea of changing the way that, you know, we talk about these things. And instead of, you know, your your friend, for instance, what a good point to remind us, you know, just because someone looks a certain way that, you know, society says is beautiful – you know, what does society know anyway? They're just, they're they're making money off of that. And that's really sad. So someone who's currently working on my health. I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah. I'm currently working on my health. It's not really a good idea for me to walk up to someone first. Nobody wants to hear about your sad feelings about your weight, honestly. So I should probably work on that. I'm giving myself advice on our podcast. So I think I should, you know, not talk about my weight in a funny, hilarious way to other people because it makes me look like I'm insecure. And then I can just be in the process of, you know, improving my health and not make weight and not make that part the conversation. I don't need to walk up to someone who I think looks the way society says and talk to them. And the only thing I say is, wow, you're so beautiful. You look so thin. I wish I looked like you. I mean, like you said, who knows what they're suffering from? And I think that it would be so much better to, I mean, as a woman, I want to be appreciated I want to be talked to and say, wow, you know, you really contributed something um, really intelligent today in the meeting. That was really impressive. Thanks for your feedback or thanks for your input. I don't want someone to say, wow, you look like you've lost weight. Thanks. I really don't want you to to recognize it. So I'm going to make it a point to stop talking about my weight and just do my health thing. And I think that I've learned a lot just in this little discussion, you know, but I just think the first person talking is probably the most important thing that we can change about the way that we communicate with others. And that's probably going to be the biggest takeaway from this whole thing is if you really want to make an impact on stigma, learn how to change your mindset and start thinking about, you know, first person terminology as far as dealing with anyone that you come in contact with at all, but especially with those dealing with mental health issues. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Krista, we'd like to thank you for coming on today. Well, thanks for having me, guys. I had a lot of fun. This has been great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Josh, what were your takeaways from today before we get off here? I just totally said what I was going to do. What about you, brother? Did you learn anything? Yeah, I learned a lot. Okay. First person terminology. I don't practice that myself, so that's something I'm going to look into and start doing. Awesome. Because, you know, I don't like the, I don't like what I said to me, so I need to be conscious about doing it to others. Yeah. I love that. That's yeah. awesome. Yes, talk to people like you would somebody, or talk to yourself like somebody you love. Yeah, for sure. Self-love. Absolutely. We're all about some self-love. Okay, so going forward, I think it would be really great to remember first-person terminology, and we're all going to stop talking about weight and just address it as we're improving our health today. There you go. How about that? I love it. All right, cool. Thank you, Krista. We really, really had the best time with you here. I learned so much. I had a great time. I know Josh did, too. Mm -hmm. And um, we hope to have you back again sometime. But until then, um, thank you, everybody, and have a great one. See you guys. Stigma can make mental health problems worse and even stop a person from getting the help they need. Untreated mental illness places an enormous economic and emotional burden on our communities. Economic burden alone is in the billions, and that directly affects all of us. We all play a crucial role in creating a mentally healthy community, one that is inclusive, rejects discrimination, and supports recovery. For us at Impact Stigma, this is way more than just a podcast. It is about igniting our communities, sharing our stories, and working together with listeners like you. We invite you to find out more about Impact Stigma on our website at impactstigma.com. One way you can make an impact right now is by sharing our podcast with your friends and family because you never know when something we talk about might be the reason someone you love asks for help. Mental illness is not a personal failure. We can't do this without you. So if you feel inspired to get involved, first, subscribe to this podcast. Then go visit our website at impactstigma.com. Watch the video and read about how you can become an impact maker. Thank you for listening to Impact Stigma. You're so glad you chose us. We want to thank our guests again for sharing your impactful story and doing your part to impact stigma. Join us next time as we enjoy some laughs and hear impactful stories. Until then, this work needs you. So go be an impact maker. Thank you and be blessed.